Oh, happy Sabbath. Yes. That was your cue. I guess what we could add here is like, well, have you ever been? My wife and I actually went to Jay Leno when we lived in California, and they actually tell you when to applaud, you know, applause, laugh. So, and if you don't laugh, they have those laughter things. I'm kidding. I shouldn't do that to the church. We shouldn't do that. Well, uh, let's have a quick recap of what we've been talking about these last few weeks. Um, the series is called Into His Likeness, from the verse that I just read in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we are being transformed into His likeness. And the first message that we got was from, from a sermon called Into His Likeness. And that message helped us understand that the purpose of life is to walk with Jesus so we can be transformed into his likeness. It's not just about finding your calling, but it's about walking with Jesus so then you can find that purpose and then experience the calling. But you have to walk with Jesus first. And then week two was about the Holy Trinity that just like the Holy Trinity is made in a Trinity model, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are created in the Trinity model as well, mind, body, and spirit. And then last week, the sermon title was called Into His Likeness, Knowing God. Knowing God. We, talk, uh, we looked at Psalm 46, verse 10, where it said, Be still so that you may know that I am God, because stillness of our mind allows us to recognize and know God, and thus we would exalt God for the magnificent things that he does in our life. Today's message is called Into His Likeness. We're still in the section of the mind, of our mind, of how our mind is created in his likeness. Today's sermon is called Taken by God. Taken by God. You know, when I think of taken by God, I can't help but think of, of movie technology. And what do I mean by movie technology? Well, movie technology is technology that you find in the movies, and it could even be fictional. For example, Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies of all time. And if you've ever seen Back to the Future, it's a pretty awesome movie about a teenage boy who goes back into time using a time machine. A time machine that is a DeLorean. A DeLorean is a sports car from back then. And he goes back into time from 1985, I think, and goes back into time to 1955, and he sees his parents. Now, what is the movie technology there? Well, you have a DeLorean time machine that sometime in our life people have said, one day there's going to be a time machine that's created. Well, guess what? Has that happened? No. And I hope, hopefully one day it never happens because I would hate for anyone to have that type of power to go back into time to what? Recreate things, to redo things that can just mess up the present day. Here's another technology that came from that movie, Back to the Future, something called flying cars, Right? There was this whole idea that by the time that it was going to be October, I think he goes into the future as well in part two, back to the future part two. Marty McFly goes into the future in the year, uh, I think it was 2018. And in the year 2018, there was going to be flying cars. Has that happened? 
Yes? Well, so common where, where all of us are driving one? No, it, it hasn't happened, right? But yes, there are some technology out there where they will fly their cars or make an attempt and then they, they crash. Here, here is one technology that wasn't meant as a joke and you guys are laughing at it. That, that's, that's cruel. No. So here's one technology that's not from Back to the Future but from a different movie. Uh, teleportation. Have you heard of this phrase before? Beam me up, Scotty. Beam me up. Where, where does that come from? Star Trek. Yes, Star Trek, right? I never really watched Star Trek, but everyone in our Western culture understands what it means to beam me up, Scotty. And if you don't understand the reference because you grew up under a rock, what that means is it's when, it's when Captain Kirk was visiting planets, right, with his, other, uh, with his other space explorers, I guess we can call them, and they might find themselves into trouble, so they have this one person, their scientist, and, and their um, Mr. Fix-It mechanic guy named Scotty, who was up in the ship, which is in outer space, he would call to Scotty, Captain Kirk would call to Scotty and say, we're in trouble, beam us up and they would be teleported back into the ship. When I think of taken by God, that sometimes comes to mind. I don't know why. In some Christian places, in some Christian areas, there's actually that belief that God will one day beam us up, called the rapture, as... Adventist Christians, we have a different belief that Jesus himself, from Second uh, Thessalonians, will come down himself to bring us up to heaven. It's a more personal type of relationship. But some Christians have this thought that God will take those he loves just out of nowhere without explanation, and they get beamed up into heaven. I like to think of the latter theology where God comes down himself because it's a very personal experience. Now for those who believe that God will beam them up, where do they get this thought from? Well, it comes from Genesis 5:24 and this is our key text for the day. It says Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more. Why? Because God took him away. God took him away. There's not much else that's said about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. I mean, you can read verse 23. In verse 23, it goes something like this. I don't remember word for word, but it says that Enoch lived uh, at the age of 65. He, he had a son, and then uh, from, uh, for another 300 years, he has other sons and daughters as well. But in those 365 total years of his life, he did what? He walked with God. And that's everything else that that the book of Genesis tells us about Enoch is that he walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. If we were to read it and just leave it at that, it doesn't give us a lot of detail. But this passage is is packed 
with a lot of theology, with a lot of thought of, of our relationship with God, represented, illustrated by Enoch. What does it tell us? It tells us that Enoch walked with God, number one. What does that mean to walk with God? It means that he had a relationship with God. And how often was this relationship? It says that he walked with him. I would, a lot of theologians believe that he walked with him on a daily basis. He wasn't in front of God. He wasn't behind God. God didn't hover over him. They had a genuine relationship with each other. That Enoch walked with God. And because he walked with God, it's, it's kind of a math equation, right? Because he walked with God, then we realize he was no more. Well, what happened to him? The text tells us that God took him away. Now, how do we know that that is not code for, and then he died, right? That he was taken by God. I don't believe that he was taken in a sense of, you know, that's a phrase that even patients of mine have used or loved ones of my patients have used. When, when, a, lo- when a patient passed away, the loved one that was here in the hospital room with me would say, well, God took him away, right? We can't confuse that. I do believe that this is talking about God taking him away. And we can actually get a better explanation of this from, we get further insight from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 5. If you recall, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, in particular, is a hall of faith, where you have all of the characters that followed God mentioned in this, in this chapter. And in verse 5, here's what it says about, about Enoch. It, this is Paul who's, who's writing this down. He says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so he did not experience death. It's clear right there that he, di- he was not taken away in the sense of code for death. No, it tells us here that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away, for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Wow. So here is a wonderful text that gives us more background of what Genesis 5:24 was telling us that God and Enoch walked together, that God and Enoch walked together, that it was a real relationship between the two. It's a real relationship because this highlight right here tells me that he was commended as one who pleased please God. I don't know how that sits with you to hear that phrase, to please God. But I've heard from some people, people who sometimes say, I, I, can't, I can't follow, I can't, I can't be religious is what they'll say, or I can't follow God. I can't believe in a God who believes it's all about him. I can't follow a God that makes it all about him. Why should I follow a God that my entire life should please him? There was some time in my life where that sat uneasy with me because I thought about that as as my friends told me about that. Well, Edre, why do you go to church? Why do you even care about the Bible? Why do you care about having a relationship with God? This was like in college, right? Uh, 
at Art Institute of Houston, and and they said, well, because and I. And they, they quoted this. One of them actually quoted this and said, God is one that wants you to please him. Isn't that selfish of God to want to be pleased? And I wrestled with this thought for a while. Not until I got married did I realize when you're in a relationship, to please one another is natural. Right? Just think about it. To please one another is natural in the sense that that is something that is unspoken of between the two people who are in love, but it is something that is understood. What is one of the texts in the Bible that tells us, uh, tells us about God's love? God is love, and so because God is love, we have learned how to love as well. He pleases us with his love and we naturally please him with our love. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not until I got married did I learn the concept that there is, there is something good to want to please your spouse or there is something good to want to please your children. And that concept and idea is seen here and now we get a better glimpse of this relationship with God and Enoch that they had such a wonderful genuine relationship with each other that God said you shall never see death let me take you home Hebrews 11 continues in verse 6 it says and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Is that understood? That without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that phrase right there, it makes sense to me. What it's pretty much talking about is if you have no faith in God, then you're not going to believe in anything of God. But if you have faith in God, then you're going to long to seek God. You're going to long to want to be with God. Therefore, you're going to do everything in your life in putting him first. That's what I love about your prayer, Lydia. You said, let us put you first, God, right? And that's how our life should be. So the question I need to ask you here is, because this phrase here that's very important for us to understand is that we earnestly seek him to have a relationship with him. We need to seek him. He seeks us. And so we need to seek him. How do I know that he seeks me? I'll just use myself as an example. It's because there's been times in my life where I would feel lonely, and then out of the blue, out of the blue, I get a phone call from a friend or my mom or my dad. And my dad is one who never really calls out of the blue. And then when I ask him, why did you call me? He said, oh, I was just thinking about you. Oh, that makes me feel so warm inside, right? 
that's, that's me knowing that God is watching out for me, that he knows and he seeks me through understanding my pain and giving me comfort through those examples. Now, do we seek him in our life? And just one of the final thoughts for this message, because I wanted to make sure we have enough time for communion, is that once again, using my relationship with Bobby as an example, is I didn't understand please, pleasing until I, got, until I met her, until I got married. And then I didn't understand what it means to seek another person in a relationship until I fell in love with her. Because before I met Bobby, my paycheck was mine. I'm not saying I give my paycheck to her now, and that's what it's about. But when I, before I met her, my life was all about my life. You know, I would think about the weekend. Oh, what am I going to do this weekend? Well, let me call up Ray, and we're going to go to a basketball game. Or let me call up James, and we can go camping at Pertinalis Falls in Austin, Texas. And all the expenses, if I wanted to eat somewhere, I, I got to eat anywhere I wanted, and I, and, and I spent my money the way I wanted to spend it. But I was always just thinking about who? Just me, because it was just me. Then Bobby and I were introduced, and I quickly fell in love with her. I mean, she was just, when I, when I was introduced to her, it was at work, Okay. Uh, my cousin was telling me for the longest time, you have to meet my friend Bobby. I met her at Glacier View Park, or not Glacier View Park, Glacier View Camp, the campsite, uh, our campsite, the Adventist Church campsite up north. I met her there. We, were, uh, we worked together for the campers, young kids, right, or tweens. Is that what you call them before they're teenagers? tweeners or something like that so so bobby was a camp guide uh, who took care of horses and what did joy do joy's my cousin that introduced us she was a she was a counselor Uh, i would never take counsel from my cousin i'm joking joy is sweet so so joy and bobby knew each other and 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 joy said you have to meet my friend bobby and i said i don't know i want to concentrate on my studies at southwestern you know I was in a new part of my life at that time. I was a wayward kid, but by the time I got to Southwestern, I was on the straight and narrow, and I wanted to stay in the straight and narrow. And I said, I don't want to think about girls right now. I just want to think about school and basketball, right? And God. <laughs> so, so, but she, she was pretty persistent, and so she brought Bobby unexpectedly at my work. And I was a graphic designer for Southwestern. I actually designed one of the logos that the school used for 10 years. And, and, uh, I was introduced at work, and when she said, oh, this is my cousin, Edre, I turned around to see who, okay, let me see who this Bobby is. And when I turned around, I was like, oh, wow, she's very beautiful. And I was so shocked that Bobby thought I didn't like her because I didn't say anything else. But I was so shocked, I was speechless. You know, I was so speechless, all I could do was like, hi. And I shook her hand, and then I turned around, sat back down, where, but I was smiling if anyone could see my face, Okay. That's how I recall it. I don't know how you recall it. But not until I met Bobby did I finally want to seek this relationship. So how did I seek this relationship with her? She was here in Colorado. I was in Texas finishing my undergrad, my studies at Southwestern. Everything in my life changed. 
because it was no longer about me going to basketball games or camping with my friends or spending my money on this or on that. I started realizing I want to save my money to buy a plane ticket so I can see Bobby. So every time, and and I I told her, I'm going to try to see you every four weeks, four to six weeks. I'm going to fly out to Colorado. Plus, it was easy to come to Colorado because Colorado is so beautiful, right? So, so I said, it's a, it's a win-win, right, to, for me to, to come out to see Bobby. So everything I did at that point was circled around the fact of us coming together again. Whether it was going to be in Colorado or it was going to be in Texas, I was saving my money so I can buy a plane ticket and then have enough money to take her to her favorite restaurant of Taco Bell, you know? That's the other thing I love about her. She's not fancy. She didn't care for the big restaurants. She was just happy with Taco Bell. So I said, I'm going to save all my money for that. And that's what I did. That's what I did until what? For every four to six months until we finally lived in the same state, we were doing this long-distance relationship. But because of of airplanes and because of saving money, we were able to see each other. And I think that's what Enoch did here with God. Enoch was so pleased with God. Enoch loved God so much that he sought a relationship with God. God seeks a relationship with us but it needs to be reciprocated that we need to earnestly seek him. Now, this term that, in that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, everlasting life is a reward, but he didn't do it for that. Enoch didn't do it for that. Enoch did it for, for the sake of having a relationship with God. So to Lydia's point in her prayer, How do you prioritize God in your life? Do you use every single thing about you, your time, your resources, just to save your money, to save your time, to save your your brain space so you can have an uninterrupted time with That's how Enoch did it. And he did it for 365 years until he was no more and he was taken away by God. You know, when God is in your life, there's not much room for anything else. And I mean that as a good thing. When God is in your life, the sinful natures of this world starts to diminish. It's kind of like, I think those are the very words of turn your eyes upon Jesus, right? When you turn your eyes upon Jesus, the things of this world just dissipate because your your love is going to be all about Him, that you're giving your time and focus to Him that everything else becomes second nature. And that's how Enoch did it. And if you and I wonder, what does it mean to walk with God? I think it's to earnestly seek Him every single day. Now, isn't it 
weird. I, I think it's such a cool coincidence that Enoch lived 365 days. Why do I think that's, that's a cool coincidence? Is because how many days are in our year? 365 days, right? So if we were to just use that as an example, that if we walk with God every single day of a year, oh man, how much more fulfilling and how much more rich would our life be if we earnestly sought him in everything that we do? So the next question I leave with you is this. What does that look like for you? What does it look like to seek God in your life every single day? Where can you seek him? How can you seek him, right? Where can you, can you help, or where can you, uh, ask God to help you with, right? Can you see him? Can you still seek him when you're sick? Can you s- still seek him when you are hurting? Can you still seek him when life is tough? Because I'm sure that's what Enoch did. That is what Enoch did. So let us take lessons from, from this wonderful man, Enoch. That is going to be a question that I have for him when I see him in heaven is, what did that really look like? to walk with God every single day, to earnestly seek Him. May you have a hungry heart for God, so much so that everything you do is for Him and about Him. Let's pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Enoch's story, that our mind should be set on you, so when our mind is set on you, then we're not thinking of anything else. If we set our minds on you, then everything else that's important in our lives, our spouse, our children, our church, our community, will have more meaning to us as well. And so teach us Enoch's way of how to walk with you every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.